We're going to be going to Galatians 2, 15 through 21 this morning. You want to turn there? Father, as we come before your word this morning, I pray that you would open our ears to hear. Father, give us hearts that are soft to receive this word, to receive the seed of the word that you plant in us, Father, that it would spring forth and that you would cause it to grow. Father, I pray that we would not be just hearers of the word, but doers also, and that as we leave this place, as Pastor John just prayed, that we would be. Convicted and given the strength to live for you daily. Father, I ask for your strength now as I proclaim your word. Or may what you once spoken be spoken. Father, any truth that is not spoken, Father, that you would just cause those words to evaporate. Father, not to lead anybody astray. Lord, may your truth be spoken. And may it lead us into a deeper more intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. Galatians 2, verses 15 through 21. We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by works of the law, no man will be justified. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law, so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. In Job 25, Bill Dad the Shuhai raises a question both to Job and both to us. In verse 4, he says, How then can a man be right before God? And how can he who is born of woman be pure? This is the question that humanity and religion down through the ages have been seeking. And our text this morning tells us that the only way for one to be right before God is through faith in Jesus Christ. There is nothing you could do, nothing you have done, nothing you will do that could earn yourself a right standing before God. Because by works of the law, no one is justified. We looked at this a little bit last week, and I told you last week that this is to be an encouragement to us. We're supposed to be encouraged through this because we are not standing before God justified under our own power. As we see later, when we sin, we don't nullify God's grace because it's not by our actions that we're justified in the first place. To be justified by faith is to trust that Jesus Christ has come, has lived a perfect life under the law, that he was crucified, took upon himself the punishment for your sins, rose three days later to new life, conquering sin and conquering if you believe that by faith and live by that by faith, you will be justified before God. Now, I don't know about you, but that is an encouragement to me because as we looked at downstairs in Sunday school, I can't get through a day without reading the law of God. And if you're honest, you can't hear. Our thoughts go astray, our actions go astray. 
We do things out of selfish pride, out of selfish ambition. We do things to bring ourselves honor and glory when we're going to be living for the honor and glory of God alone. We're still sinners. We still fall. But I'm not justified by my actions. I'm justified by Christ's actions for me. And I hope that's an encouragement to you. But this truth, that by works of the law no one will be justified, is also a universal truth that is applicable to every person, everywhere, at all times. And I realize that in our culture today, we live in this idea, this this world, that truth is just relative. That truth for you can be whatever it wants to be, and that truth for me can be whatever it wants to be. We live in a society that believes in religious pluralism. That all roads, all religions lead straight to God. But I want to take a closer look at verse 16 this morning and show you that that is not true. And that in the words that Paul uses to describe the individuals that he's talking to, he recognizes and he believes that this is a universal, absolute truth applicable to everyone, everywhere, at all times. If you look at verse 16, the very first thing that Paul says is, we know that a person is not justified by works of the law. Paul uses a very general term, person. He singles nobody out. He doesn't say a Jewish person. He doesn't say a Gentile person. He doesn't say a white person, a colored person, an American person, a European person, any kind of person. He says person. This is a general statement that refers to no one in particular, but all people in general. So think about this. When you're walking down the street, when you're shopping this Christmas season, walking through the mall, and you see hundreds, if not thousands, of individuals walking around, every single one of them has a soul created in the image of God, and they will spend an eternity in heaven, or they will spend an eternity in hell, based solely on their faith in Jesus Christ and nothing else. They can't earn their way, regardless of what they believe. The devil has done a very good job of setting up a bunch of false religions that have got us so confused. He is leading people by the millions straight to hell. Scripture unquestionably teaches that by works of the law, no one will be justified. But Paul doesn't stop at a general statement. So you keep going to verse 16, he makes it personal. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by by faith in Christ. Paul's original hearers were Jews. When Paul says we, the Jewish people that he was talking to, understood him to mean Jews. Jews were given the law, they were given circumcision, the sign of the new covenant, they were God's chosen people. But when Christ came and died on the cross, And even before that, it was never by the outward works. It was by the circumcision of their hearts and understanding that the sacrifices they made were because blood had to be spilled. It was not in the actual giving of the sacrifice, but in what it meant. Their trust in Christ and in God to wash away their sins because that bull, that ram, that dove, whatever was sacrificed, that got them to be justified before God. We keep going in Galatians. It says, even Abraham was justified by faith even before he received circumcision. It is faith that justifies, not works. So my question for you this morning, what is your qualifying statement for the word we in your life? 
when you read verse 16, and Paul says, so we also have believed in Christ Jesus. What's the we? So we, lifelong members of Brother in Christ Church, have also believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified. So we, who served faithfully for the past however many years in church, have also believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified. So we, those who grew up in a Christian home, always went to church if the doors were open, never got into too much trouble, never too worldly. We who see ourselves as good people also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified. What's your we? And don't hear me as saying those things are bad. We've been blessed that we've grown up in a Christian home. We've been blessed to have parents who have brought us to church whenever the doors are open. We've been blessed and graced by God to not live too early lives. There's nothing wrong in and of themselves. But are you resting on that? Do you look to those things and say, well, it's because of this? And maybe you don't say it out loud. But when you look at other people, do you say, like the Pharisees, thank God I'm not like that person? Or are you the tax collector who beats his breasts and said, have mercy on me, God, I am a sinner? Where's your hope this morning? Where's your faith? Is your faith in your heritage? Or is your faith in Christ? The very last statement that Paul makes is a universal one. By works of the law, this is verse 16, by works of the law, no one will be justified. Christianity is not one way among many to be justified. Faith in Christ is not one choice on the smorgasbord that is called religious pluralism. In John 14, Jesus is carrying out a conversation with the disciples. And he tells them he's going to go to heaven to prepare a room for them in his father's house. And Thomas, not yet understanding what the Lord is saying, asks Jesus, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus responds with a very definitive, very narrow, very one-way answer. He says, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. He says, no one comes to the Father except through me. Theologians call this the exclusivity of Christ. Christianity is an exclusive religion. We will accept anyone provided that they humble themselves at the foot of the cross. Christ will not turn you away if you humble yourself and trust in him for your salvation. But that's the only way. So I ask you again this morning, what are you trusting in? Is it Christ? Or is it something else? But Paul recognizes a problem with the truth that we're justified simply by faith. And in verse 17 and following, he fleshes this out a little bit. Paul recognizes that there's an objection that can be raised to justification by faith alone. As he sees that some people can very easily take the grace of God and use it as a license. They turn it into a license to live a licentious lifestyle of doing whatever they want, saying it doesn't matter what I do, because I'm justified by faith and my actions have no bearing. 
which is true in a sense. So in verses 17 and 18, Paul says, But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not, for if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. See, what the Judaizers were doing in an attempt to prevent this very easy doctrine of justification by faith alone to turn into a license, they were adding back into the law, or back into the gospel of grace, works of the law, to keep this from happening. But Paul says, if I'm found to be a sinner, which is what we heard downstairs in Sunday school class, if I'm found to be a sinner, does that mean that Christ is then a servant of sin? Does that mean that Christ's free grace, the offer of free grace, just allows me to continue right on sinning? Is Jesus Christ doing the bidding of the devil by giving me justification based on nothing that I do? And Paul says, absolutely not. This is the same argument that Paul uses in Romans 6.1. Paul, Jesus is not culpable in our sins. We are. And just because we're justified before God does not mean that we were made perfect. Martin Luther, in his commentary on Galatians, says, A Christian is not someone who has no sin or feels no sin. He is someone to whom, because of his faith in Christ, God does not ascribe his sin. Christ has paid your punishment for your sin, past, present, and future. So that you wouldn't have to. So in Romans 8 and 1, this is why Paul can say there is now there are now for no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Christ paid the penalty for your sin. That doesn't mean we just keep on sinning. But I want you to see that what Paul says in, the, in verse 18, he says, For if I rebuild what I tore down, in other words, if I reinstate the law in order to keep myself from sinning, and I think that my justification is based on faith plus these extra works of the law, Paul says, You are actually the transgressor. Along with the Judaizers, along with the false prophets who were saying, Hey, let's add these circumcision, let's add these food laws back in so that we make sure that these Gentile believers aren't really sinners. Paul says, now by doing that, you are actually the sinner. Because you are adding to what Christ has done. See, Paul takes the argument a step further. And he says, if we rebuild down, we rebuild, which is the law, what has been torn down, which is done by the preaching of the gospel. We are the transgressors. And when we get to chapter 3 and verse 10, we're actually going to see that Paul takes it a step further. And he says that anyone who relies on works of the law is actually under a curse. So my question this morning regarding these two verses is, is there anything in your life that you've rebuilt that the gospel tears down? Are you in an attempt to protect the gospel in your life or maybe in somebody else's life Adding certain rules and regulations that are causing you to transgress, to become a transgressor of the law. Because we know that by works of the law, no one is justified. And if you think you need to keep one part of the law, you need to keep the whole law. I'm not saying that it's not wise to abstain from the use of alcohol as a beverage. I'm not saying that it's not wise to monitor what your family takes in as a form of entertainment. 
Proverbs 4.23 says that we are to keep our hearts with all visions. And one of the ways we do that is we monitor what we take in and what we, what we view. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. Please don't hear me say that. But like I said earlier, how do you view those things? Do you see people going to movies that you wouldn't watch, watching TV shows you wouldn't watch, talking about things you wouldn't talk about? And do you think, man, I'm really glad that I'm not like that. I'm really glad I've kept myself from going there. I'm in a better position than they are. That's adding. That's rebuilding. What Christ's cross has torn down. And while it's wise to protect ourselves, while it's wise to listen to the Spirit, to know our limitations, to know where we tempted, and to avoid those areas, that's not adding to your justification before God. There is nothing that needs to be added to the gospel to protect believers from using it as a license. And in verses 19 and 20, Paul tells us why. For through the law I died to the law, so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ that is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and who gave himself up for me. Paul says he's died to the law. Not that the law's died to him. The law is still very much alive. Jesus says in Matthew 5, when he comes, do not think that I have come to abolish the law, but I have come to fulfill the law. Not one jot, not one tittle, not one iota will pass away. He even says that we will see heaven and earth passing away before the word of God passes away. The law doesn't disappear. We have just died to the law as a way of justification before God. By itself, this statement can be a little bit confusing. How is it that we have died to the law? And Paul in verse 20 tells us how. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. Now that's a startling claim if you think about it. It's not you've been crucified through Christ. You were crucified with Christ. This is one of the central doctrines in the Christian life, our union with Christ. God sees us that have accepted Christ by faith as joined to him. If Christ did it, it's as if we did it. This is what keeps us from continuing to sin and sin and sin and sin. We can't. We have been crucified with Christ. This, I believe, is how he sees himself dying through the law. He recognizes that when Christ died on the cross, Christ paid the penalty for the, what the law required, which was death. And he did that for Paul. He did that for you if you accept Christ by faith. That's how we as believers have been crucified with Christ. In your Bibles, beside Galatians 2, 17 through 21, I want you to write down Romans 6, 3 through 7, and then we're going to turn there in a minute. I just said a few moments ago that we don't need to rebuild the wall in order to protect the gospel from being used as a license of sin. 
And that's because our union with Christ is what keeps us from doing that. Galatians 2 is the first time that Paul really brings this out, and he expounds on it even more in Romans. Romans 6. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly, we shall certainly be reunited, be united with him in a resurrection like his. Because we know that our old self is crucified with him, in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For the one who has died has been set free from sin. Your sinful flesh, your sinful nature, has been crucified with Christ through a faith union with Him. Downstairs we were talking about how do we prevent ourselves from just continuing in sin? How do we fight against sin in our lives? We're all going to sin. None of us is perfect. How do we fight against that? I believe the best way we can fight against that is to understand this doctrine. Christ's Spirit is living in you. He is living the perfect life He already lived through you by the power of His Spirit. Provided, as Romans 8 says, we walk by the Spirit. If our faith is genuine and we are joined together with Christ, our sinful flesh has been crucified and we are no longer under the dominion of sin. The power to say no to sin is within you through your union with Christ. John Stott in his commentary on Galatians 2.20 says this, Once we have been united to Christ in his death, our old life is finished. It is ridiculous to suggest that we could ever go back to it. Besides, we have been risen to a new life. In one sense, we live this new life through faith in Christ. In another sense, it is not we who live at all, but Christ who lives in us. And living in us, he gives us new desires for holiness, for God, and for heaven. It is not that we cannot sin. We can, but we do not want to. The whole tenor of our life has changed. Everything is different now, because we ourselves are different. No Christian who has grasped these truths could ever seriously contemplate reverting to the old life. Can you see how this is good news? The gospel is the very thing that prevents us from returning to our own ways. In 2 Corinthians 5, Paul says that, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Not he will be, not he could be, not he should be. He is. The old has passed away, and the new has come. But not only that, our walking in newness of life is part of the new covenant promises we read in Ezekiel 36. Jesus says, I will put my spirit within you, and I will cause you to walk in my statutes. And be careful to obey my rules. Christians, everything you need to live the Christian life is found in and only in your faith union with Christ. We need to live a pleasing life to God and to be justified before Him. And the only way we can do that is through faith in Christ. And if that's not enough, Paul closes his argument with the truth that even when we do sin, 
And this could be very easily discovering that we have rebuilt something of the law and that we're resting and trusting and relying on that. Or it could be, as we saw last week, that we are acting hypocritical in our attitudes towards even believers and non-believers. That we say one thing, we say we believe one thing, but our life dictates something different. If we have union with Christ through faith and we sin, Paul says, we don't nullify the grace of God. First John, if you're faithful to confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us for sins. So if you, this morning, are in a faith union with Jesus Christ, for the genuine believer who is sensitive to the Spirit and responds to his prompting about sin in his or her life, you have the promise that your sins do not nullify the grace of God. You can repent of your sins, and he will forgive them because your righteousness is based on Christ's life and his death on the cross, not your works of the law. But the truth of this message is a double-edged sword. Because for the non-believer, for the person who does not have a faith union with Christ, for the person who is resting in their works, in their good lifestyle, in their not breaking really bad rules, Paul says Christ is of no advantage to you. You're obligated to keep the entire law if you think by keeping part of it is justifying you. And Paul says, Christ died for nothing for you at that point. But the good news of the gospel is if you're still breathing, there's still time. Today is the day of salvation. Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Repent of your sins. God will forgive your sins. And he will cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Allow the Holy Spirit to humble you this morning, whether you're a believer or not. Turn from your wicked ways and embrace Christ by faith. Let's pray. Father, this morning we come before you and we admit that we fall and we sin throughout the day. Lord, we have not, we cannot, we will not keep your commandments. Father, I repent of that this morning. Lord, I ask that you would forgive me of my sins, forgive me of the way that, the ways that I've transgressed your law over this past week. But Lord, not only for me, I pray that the hearts of every believer in this room would be examining themselves this morning and would be looking at their lives and saying, yes, Father, I have sinned as well. Lord, I repent, I come before you, I ask that you would forgive me. And Lord, we praise you that you promised that you will. Father, we thank you for the truth that we're not justified before you because of anything we do. But we are justified because of the obedience that Christ has done for us. And Jesus, we thank you for coming all those years ago as a baby. Father, as we just as we sang earlier, the Godhead veiled the humanity. You took 
own flesh, coming, knowing that your sole mission was to live the life I couldn't live, to die the death I should have died, so that I could live the life that you lived. I thought that I could spend eternity in heaven with you. Father, if there's anyone under the sound of my voice who does not know what it means to be you to be united with Christ by faith, I pray that your Holy Spirit would open their eyes, would soften their hearts to see that Lord, their good works will get them nowhere. Father, that their righteousness is only in and can be only be and can only be found through Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that you would soften our hearts, that you would humble them, that you would humble us all, and that we would humbly fall before you. And surrender our lives to you. And Father, for the believer who is sitting out there realizing now that, yes, Lord, I have been building up things that the gospel tears down. Father, there are things that I've added to Justification by faith alone that I have been resting in, that we've been trusting in. Father, I pray that you would give us the ability to repent of those sins as well. Father, help us to see that we are justified by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. I ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.